Welcome to episode 562 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature regular contributor, writer, professor, poet, baker, and candlestick maker, speaking with us from her place in the West Side, Kitty Bell Burbank. We talk to Kitty about Valentine's Day, living in the desert, gender roles, heterosexual couples, self-love, having your emotions, not sitting home sulking, the future of local journalism. Being alone is sort of a kind of freedom, she says. Listening to the community's needs. Mexico suing U.S. gun makers. Making up stories. Having not really recovered from the pandemic. Humanity being so down on itself. And having heart, among other things. A wonderful conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank this go-round. We also have an E.W. Poetic piece titled, We Be Awake. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Episode 562 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Oh, man. 
like some kind of lord and king But pain is the only promise that this so-called savior is gonna bring Love can be a liar And justice can be a thief And freedom can be an empty cup From which everybody wanna drink I said, how come I can't tell the free world from living Kitty Bell Burbank, is that you? Yes, I am. I am still here. <laughs> Deja vu all over again. It is one of our regular contributors, I'm happy to say. Writer, professor, baker, playwright, poet, and candlestick maker, among other things. Kitty Bell Burbank talking with us from... Her office on campus, and uh, we appreciate it uh, very much. We uh, have some things to talk about. How you doing? Good. It was a good day. Yeah. Better. Better day. Better than just, than the the last Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm not measuring that closely i guess just some days are harder than others you know <laughs> yeah i do know i do i definitely know some days are harder than other others when the sun is shining i find it a little easier it can be yeah you know when it's not is when you when you live in the desert and the sun shines like all the time and then it rains and you're like yes all i want to do is go to a coffee shop and write poetry <laughs> Yeah, a coffee shop in the desert. They have coffee shops. So they just don't have a lot of rain. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You yeah. feel like you have to go to work when you're on vacation. You know, you look out, there's sunshine and palm trees, and you're like, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could uh, understand that. You'd be, you'd be like, what, why should I be here at work? It's so nice out. Let me go hang. Uh, we don't have that problem right now in the Northeast. It's winter. And, yes, it know. got cold. It got like February again. It did. It did. We just got over, so to speak. Uh, some people will maybe take issue with, with this characterization. Others will say, yes, 
I totally agree with you. Uh, we just got over Valentine's Day um, mm-hmm. recently, and I know you know what we we want to talk a little bit about how that's a I don't know sort of. It's a good time to take the pulse of how people are interacting with each other. You know, like the social norms of relationships have been shifting. Um, and then the pandemic, it was like, well, nothing is right. Nothing is the way that it should be. You know, um, people are lonely. And so that wasn't really a good time to take the pulse of what was going on. And uh, when it comes to Valentine's Day, I even saw, what did I see? A couple I, people I've known, they've been together forever. And like, they posted, they're like, we don't, we don't really do Valentine's Day, but here's our couple photo anyway. And, <laughs> right. um, you know, like even people who normally would be like, oh, we're, you know, we're so happy. We've been together forever and we love our relationship are like almost embarrassed of that now. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I wonder if, um, this is something that is uniquely uh, embraced by or directed toward uh, heterosexual couples. And if if uh, homosexual couples, couples of the same sex, um, if they embrace Valentine's Day in the same way as heterosexual couples, or do they feel excluded perhaps? I don't know. Right, yeah. I think that's pretty individual and probably depends a lot on where you live and you know how how long you've been comfortable you know with your sexuality that a lot of times you see people are just starting to explore that and there's a lot of celebration happening just because hey I'm out of high school I can be myself now and not have to worry about getting beat up after class right, you know right and so that that's a very different experience um both of my daughters are in committed heterosexual relationships and they're not necessarily conventional people. It's just those are the people that they've found and they're very happy together and they enjoy their romantic, you know, bond. And I think it's beautiful. Mm. Um, I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. Um, I know I wish my life would have turned out a lot differently some days, but then I also, I'm proud of myself for being a strong individual person who, you know, can have dessert if I want it, but I don't, I can pass. Right, right. And you don't you don't uh, eat dessert that you you don't have a, a a taste for just because someone's offering you dessert either. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can be a little discerning. Yeah. You know. I think I've earned that. I've I you know I've I've done the things. I've been married. I've had my kids. I've you know had beautiful relationships. I'm not sure I've ever been in a healthy relationship, but um, you know what what does that even mean today? What is healthy? Um, we could always find faults if we're looking for them. I think we need to be able to feel good about the good experiences that we had and, you know, forgive people, including ourselves, for our shortcomings. Yeah. You know, relationships, regardless of the the sex or gender of the people involved, 
are complicated and difficult, uh, you know, just because they're relationships, right? They're intimate and you really have to get to know one another and let someone else know you. So they're no matter they're, they're difficult. And now if you have these pressures put on you by society saying, well, today you must jump through all these hoops if you really are a good partner in the relationship. And if your relationship is legit, it's Valentine's day (laughs) or, and, or this is only for quote unquote, normal couples you know, all the other people, I don't, you know, this is not for you. And so now you're, if you're in that category, so to speak, now you have to grapple with that on top of the regular normal stuff that comes with being in a relationship, the challenges that is. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that comes with relationships, but there's also a lot of difficult things and we don't need to make it harder for people, you know? Right. I, I, I think we've got a lot to, to be happy about as far as how far we've come with accepting different kinds of relationships and that they can be about different things and that there isn't one um, way of doing it. There's been so much in the news about polyamory. I was just thinking that. Like they just discovered it, right? Meanwhile, this has been a thing for a long, long time. And and then you've got, um, I just saw a thing on Pop Culture Happy Hour, NPR. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's about these like best friendships and seeing more platonic love in in shows and movies and and I, I'm assuming that they're finding this refreshing and exciting that or even you know cross gender friendships where a man and a woman could be friends and not have an intimate physical relationship like of course that's a thing but have we gotten to see a lot of it Hardly. Well, the, the the last sort of relationship you just mentioned, I mean, isn't that just a, a, a relationship type that's exist, existed forever, a man and a woman who are just friends? Well, there were times where you couldn't have it. Right? <laughs> they, uh, it True. was inappropriate. I mean, you couldn't even leave the house without a chaperone if you were a woman, let alone, like, talk to anyone about, you know, people were sheltered in a big way. If you weren't, you know, you were probably poor and low class. And we're talking Western culture in particular, that evolution that you're uh, ta- you're, you're uh, referencing, because there are a lot of places in this world where still that is the case for women in particular, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they're not allowed to socialize with people of the opposite sex, right? Or you go to school, have to go to separate schools. Right. If you get to go to school. If you get to go to school. Right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's... We're interesting creatures all over this 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 globe, aren't we? And uh, the many sorts of cultures—they all, you know, regardless of how different they might be, some of some of the cultures we're, we're alluding to, there's a commonality with regard to um, the fact that people want to to have companionship. They want to be loved. They want to give it, feel it. You know. And they also have physical needs. So that's that's just part of who we are as a people, as a species, right? And um, I don't understand often why we make such distinctions and, and uh, saying, well, you can't do this or you should do that. I mean, all it should be is people treating each other fairly 
and well and you know and and not abusing one another and not forcing anybody against their will or taking advantage of each other that's the only thing that we those are the things that should be of concern everything else you know yeah i was just i don't know if my mind was wandering but sorry but i was just thinking about i am boring right i when i when i go off i understand I was thinking about, you know, the suffragettes and like early on in the movement of women trying to get the vote, like they weren't even allowed in the room. Like women were not welcome in men's spaces where men discussed the issues of the day and politics and whatever was going on. I mean, we had a fight for that. Yeah. Um, and and then, right. you know, women are still fighting in relationships to um, not have to do more than half of the chores or, you know, be, res- be responsible for child care if bad things happen. I mean, th- those were a lot of the things that came out during the pandemic, those stories of how much more of the burden women had to carry. So we've got a long way to go um, <laughs> in in terms of equality there. So seeing people find different ways to express, you know, their, um, their relationships, I I think is, it's good. It's, it's good for us, you know, as a, as a country, as a society to see that there's different ways of doing things. Yeah, it is very good for us. And, uh, it's just a matter of, are we open to it? You know, that's a big question. Yeah. Well, who's not, right? The people who want to control other people. Right. Otherwise, what do you care? That's always, it's that thing, like, why do you care what I do behind this door? Right. It's none of your business. Or like, even, good. Yeah. I'm sorry, behind the door, and I was going to say, even like walking down the street, you know, why do you care if I'm holding this person's hand? Right. There's just a funny clip on, I don't know what it was, Late Night or SNL or something where like two really famous guy actors were walking down the street holding each other's hands and like the like for the, and the paparazzi was taking pictures like they were doing it for the paparazzi yeah and it was just like isn't it weird that that's a thing right right that somebody even talked about yeah <laughs> why should that be weird at all yeah, you you start thinking, wow, we're backward, you know, if <laughs> that's so odd that two people are just holding hands and the fact, you know, they're the same sex or what have you. That's just, we're backward if we get stuck on that, you know. But, you know, I, I guess it depends on your reference, uh, whether or not you're backward. Um, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Kitty Bell Burbank here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And, um, you know, one of the things I... I know we we, uh, we sort of discussed in the past is given the challenges of an individual might have with relationships and they maybe are alone. It's not so healthy healthy to just sit at home and sulk, right? Oh no, I've done it. It's terrible. <laughs> it's I wouldn't recommend it. No. I try to do that for as short of time periods as I need to before I snap out of it and move on and, you know, pay attention to what really matters. Well, you make a good point in a way there. It is okay maybe to suck a little bit, you know, just to get in touch with your feelings. Like, wow, I am down about this. I am upset about this. What was me? Okay, now what am I going to do? I can't just stay there. 
Yeah, well, we have to be honest. I mean, we, yeah. we our emotions, whatever they are, they're valid. They're, I mean, their emotions have them. You're you're supposed to have them. It's there's nothing wrong with them. It's okay. Now, now that you've allowed yourself to feel all the things, um, what do you want your life to look like? And there's a lot we can't control, so um, we need to focus on the things we can while we can, and the rest sorts itself out, I guess. I mean, I know. it's People get lonely. I know how it feels. It's hard sometimes, but... Um, there's there's the the pros and cons to every situation, you know. Being so. alone, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I've 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 learned to enjoy being alone more than I ever thought I would, and there's a, a certain freedom, you know. I could sit there and say nobody really cares what I'm doing right now, or I could say this is great. Nobody cares what I'm doing right now. I can do whatever I want and have this space to myself and not have to worry about, you know, any conflict or upsetting people or I don't know, whatever it is that you can't do when other people are around. Uh, and, and it's, it, I don't know. I, I enjoy, I enjoy that space in my consciousness yeah, I understand that. I do. Uh, you know, recently it reminded me I was having a conversation with another one of our regular contributors, Almighty Todd, and we we're talking about being alone, feeling alone. And uh, he said something that I thought was pretty poignant. He said, um, "We're all alone here together." Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, again, poignant. We we are we are it's it's all it's also it sounds like it's a contradiction, uh, but I think simultaneously I mean obviously we're we're we ultimately we are alone, but we're all here, at the same time. Yeah, it's very Buddhist, right? We're we're completely dependent on each other, for you know everything. The kombucha I'm sipping on right now, you know I. I tried making it once. It didn't come out so good. Um, you know, this room that I'm in, the, the space, the Wi-Fi that I'm using, you know, we're, we're all depending on each other all the time. But, yeah, it, it, technically we're isolated in a sense. Um, we will be alone when we die. Even if there's other people in the room, they're not coming with us. Right. Hopefully, you know. Right. Um, and uh, and that's okay. It's um, it's it's yeah. It's the 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 contradictions I think are the most true things. Those Buddhist ideas they always find the contradictions, and it's like these two things can simultaneously be true. Right. You know, and just because one thing is true doesn't mean the other isn't. Right, and and then you know I think with in the context of Buddhism, one of the reasons in our everyday sort of way of, of rationalizing things it's all dualistic uh so you know it's this or that but in buddhism dualism oh yeah the binary thing like, right they go they transcend dualism mm -hmm. they don't believe you know it's all the same it's all i guess i'm not a buddhist expert I, I love buddhism i read it as much as i can and try to understand it but it's the dualism i think that gets in our way of seeing how these things can happen simultaneously it's not one or the other right yeah. 
So we have to kind of transcend that. And that goes back to what we're saying with regard to relationships. You know, we think this is a right kind of relationship. This is a wrong kind of relationship. If you're not this, then you're wrong. Well. Yeah, or the very notion like they're supposed to last forever. Mm. Like, why? Who said? Like, why can't you have a seven-year good run, you know, being especially close to this one person and then go off in another direction. Right. And that's not a failure. No. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. We have some crazy ideas in our heads, but we're just making up stories most <laughs> of the time. You know, I try to do it on purpose. Make up a story just to see what the response will be. Well, we're constantly making up stories, yeah. right? Yeah. We're, we're putting meaning where it doesn't need to be. So, um, you know, I, that's why I try to do it in fiction. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. No rules then really. Right. Right. Or help other people tell their stories. Right. You want to, people have an idea. Um, that was one of the great things about, I loved about journalism was helping people tell their story. And great I feel like segue. I feel like I'm still doing that with my students, you know, trying to help them find their voice, whether it's in, in written words or spoken words it's, it's, you know, where have you been? Where are you going? And who are you? And what do you have to say? What do you want to talk about? Um, it's so funny watching students panic when you, you're like, okay, what do you want to write about? And <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> they don't think they have anything to say. Is that why? Or they're afraid to well, I, share I, I something? I always get this. Uh, you know, I, I like to write, but, you know, I, not when I get assigned a topic. Like, I want to choose what I want to write about. So you let them choose what they want to write about, and they have no idea. <laughs> I guess it's part of the growing up process is, yeah, what, okay, so you can talk about whatever you want. What do you want to talk about? You know, it's, oh, wow. I get to decide? It's hard. It's hard for them sometimes. And I I presume some students, it's easier than for others, right? It depends right. on the person. Some people love to share and have all these ideas going around in their head, and other people maybe do not. I think it might have something to do with how much time they spend alone. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, the more time you have alone, the more time you have to think and figure out what you want to do because there's nobody else to tell you what to do, right? Right, exactly. I was joking, but I actually think that's true. No, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and you know, the journalism that you referenced, uh, that is a, a means by which society – and people who share the same society can connect on, on the challenges or the, the happenings in, in their society. Uh, and it's so important that it's done right, journalism. And right now, I think you shared with me, you have some concern about journalism being done the way it needs to be in a, in a local uh, sense, you know, look, local journalism rather than national do you want to share a little bit of what your concerns are? Sure. I, I think if, wow, I was going to say if you live in Scranton, you should be concerned. But there's so so many other places, too. It's not, again, once again, it's not just here. Um, 
Yeah, I, I got to go to a, a great luncheon lecture uh, at the University of Scranton on Friday uh, with Jeff Jarvis, who is an 18-year uh, professor of journalism at the City University of New York, uh, founded Entertainment Magazine, I believe, and um, is has a lot of books. His most recent one is the Gutenberg Parenthesis, which I just got in the mail yesterday it was the snow day i got it no it was sunday wow the whole the week this is how fast time goes by for me (laughs) it was just sunday um yeah so i I read the intro i'm going to share it with some of my students tonight um but he came here specifically to talk about the future of journalism in scranton since uh alden capital uh purchased the yeah (laughs) exactly he referred to them as show am i allowed to say that well you know you said it so <laughs> i guess so <laughs> i don't remember if that's one of the words or not um which yeah it's this is this company is so notoriously bad i've, I've not heard anyone even try to defend them i don't know if anyone's <laughs> out there doing that um although i did hear on the news they're they're sh- they're striking at the chicago tribune which is a great newspaper or at least it used to be um, that also got uh, purchased by this same company, this capital company. And um, they, they, what did they say? Alden Capital said, the city of Chicago needs to value its news or something. Like they have like to prove were, it? Yeah. I mean, so it was kind of like they're blaming the citizens of the city for the workers being on strike. Because they're not supporting it, I, I don't know. But then at the same time, we we do need everybody in the community to care that people are getting information. It's resources, right? We need to have resources to, you know, pay the bills, take care of health, uh, have homes to live in, right? Have heat in those homes, or people or bad things happen, right? We need those kinds of financial resources. But we also um, need information, right? If right. we're having trouble paying a bill, we need to know if there's a program that is available to help us with uh, UGI. Or um, if the city is fixing a problem because of flooding, we need to know what's going on with that, even if we're just driving by that neighborhood. and. Um, so information, it, it, it's not optional. We have to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's got to um, be, it's got to be accurate. It can't be something that, uh, you know, you, you pick up just, you know, on Facebook, for, for example, there's a lot of misinformation there. I would, I would, uh, say for sure. Uh, you need seasoned, ethical, objective, professional journalists to to share that, to suss it out and to present it. Well, sure, I think so, and you think so, but um, journalists have gotten, uh, they've become less trustworthy. People don't trust them, and and a lot of that's from the politics, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm going to say that everything that I don't like is fake news, therefore all of these journalists, even the ones who follow strict ethical codes, you know, they must be uh, the bad people here. And on the other hand, they're there have been people who've been shut out of the conversation. And 
and the first chapter of this book by you know Jarvis is really getting at the the gatekeepers and the people that controlled this information and they did do it to make a profit right you know um these are even the family newspaper businesses were for profit businesses they weren't nonprofits um, now there's a lot more non nonprofit journalism that's looking for different sources of funding, right? Be- beyond advertising, um, WBIA is is doing great with that. One of the things that Jarvis did when he came to Scranton was was meeting uh, with George Lynette, uh of you know the family that still owns the Times Building and owned the newspaper for over a hundred years <laughs> and then meeting with WVIA. That's our PBS meeting, affiliate here in Northeastern yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Which now has 11 journalists in their newsroom and is really made a commitment to uh, covering local news. I was just listening this morning and I found the choice of stories interesting, but I was grateful that I was hearing them. And that somebody was out there talking to people in the community about what's what matters to them, um, which is important. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of repair work that needs to be done to uh, rebuild trust and um, really listen to people that whose ideas were ignored for for a long time. And those people being, you mean the, the journalists themselves, or well, I'm sure you could find some journalists who felt that they weren't heard mm-hmm. uh, by the other people in their companies. Um, but then, you know, people in the community, whether that's, um, say, you know, we we know that for a while there were critiques of the news that um, the way that people of color were portrayed, um, you know, on page three and it's the mugshot and mm-hmm. kind of a thing and not having their stories covered maybe in a, I don't want to say fair way, but you know. Um, yeah, only negative stories coming out of certain communities and no positive stories. You know, that's yeah, one we, of the yeah, big you, things, I, I think. Yeah, if you look at all the things we know now that we didn't know then, uh, the, the redlining that happened that kept people out of neighborhoods, and how come I didn't hear about that until college, you know. I didn't even hear about it in college. I didn't, I didn't learn about that until I was like 40, <laughs> you know? And it, it's like, well, if the news covered this, wouldn't everyone know? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there was a lot that um, must have just not been thought of as important because maybe the people it was happening to weren't thought of as important or um or widespread in information, right? So it tended to be like, oh, well, only this community is interested in this problem. So put it in the Spanish language newspaper, right? right. And and keeping communities isolated and separate from each other. Um, and you could also be taking the chance of upsetting some of the more wealthy people in your community when you talk about things like redlining, if they are part of that problem, and then you know they they're buying ads in your paper. And they oh, might yeah. stop doing that, right? Well, and, yeah, there's that example that I brought up to you about the Mexico suing the U.S. gun manufacturers mm-hmm. um, because of um, 
claiming that they aid drug cartels, right? Because the gun laws are really strict in Mexico, and they found that 85% of the weapons used to at, uh, found at cartel crime scenes can be traced back to the United States. And when you read the comments on that story, <laughs> it's really interesting. There's They don't see the circle here, you know? Mexico has the third most gun-related deaths of any country, and um, so they're suing. They're suing gun makers, six of them in the United States, for $10 billion for aiding and abetting illegal trafficking. And that story has hardly been covered. I didn't hear about it. As far as I can tell. Right. And it because it doesn't go along with the narrative. So, I mean, I think this is even happening now. And for some reason, I saw it on NBC News, like by accident. And I want to know why. Other people aren't covering that because all, you know, the American news is too busy talking about immigrants and the immigrant problem. And, well, the people are leaving their homes because of the violence, because they are endangered. Nobody takes that kind of a move to uncertainty through difficult conditions if they've got it good where they are. Right. And, and even if it's not good where they are coming from, that's still their home. And, you know, to leave your home is not an easy thing. Right. And so, most, of, most of them are doing it because they're afraid of the cartels, because they're afraid of the, the huge increase in gun deaths. Right. I mean, why is why why is this happening more? I don't know, because maybe in 1997, gun related deaths were 15 percent. And in 2021, they're 69 percent. Wow. 69 percent of the. De number of deaths in the country are gun related now well, yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, and and again, and again we have to. Were, I think it, yeah. it's worth restating. Uh, a large part of the, the that problem stems directly back to guns being manufactured and then distributed in from the United States into Mexico. So those folks are fleeing from a problem that we our country is directly connected to creating to having created benefiting from at least those. You know, somebody's benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't want to talk about that part. No. Because that's uncomfortable and that messes with the narrative. It what, messes with What is the this, narrative? They, well, I mean, the political one that they're telling people is that immigrants are the problem. All, you know, all the problems that you have, you can't get a better job because somebody's coming and taking your job and because they're, you know, they're willing to pay work for less or um, the crime, right? What did, I don't even remember what Trump said that first time that was just like, we can't elect this person and yet it happened anyway. You would think that after you said something like that, it would be too late, but um, just accusing the other, right? Having the other in politics is, they, they rely on that to scare people. They use fear as a tactic to motivate people to vote. So th they make it seem like these people are the problem, but they're, they're not the problem. <laughs> and, oh, there was just a, something I heard this morning, right? You would think that Texas, Florida, and California then would have the worst economies because they've had the most um, immigrants. And that's not true at all. Actually, Texas and Florida have have grown um, financially. They're doing better with more immigrants. California, maybe not so much, but it's more complicated yeah. than that. Yeah. 
So they can't even prove what they're saying. But people don't fact check and they don't do research and they don't know. They don't know what isn't being put out there in front of them. No, and again, that gets back to good journalism and then people right. trusting it and being having the willingness to read it, right, or listen to it or watch it. Good journalism. And it's interesting, the paradigm shift that might be occurring based on what's happening in our little neck of the woods here. You know, you, you have locally owned independent newspapers who are being bought out by national, you know, conglomerates or what have you. And they then just basically gut the local paper, if not mm -hmm. close it down altogether. So now we see some of those journalists going to public broadcasting entities in that same community, operations in that same community, and doing the local journalism through those uh, uh, places, through through PBS stations or, or uh, NPR uh, stations, the local affiliates. That That could work, I guess, right? But now well, we're lucky to hold on to some of these people who've been experts in. I mean, on one hand, you don't want to be like, well, these were all the people we had before. So we should be doing new things and experiencing change. And but the expertise is valuable. Um, you know, people who have been on a, a beat of school and education or politics for decades, like they're knowledgeable um, we, we, we want their information. We want access to what they know and we want them to be able to tell us what's going on, you know, through that filter of everything that they've learned being an expert on this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want someone who's just going off half cocked with a Facebook book post or a Twitter post to be the source of information about a, a, a really important situation. Right. I mean, and, and why was I at that, um, that luncheon event? I mean, I'm concerned about journalism and local journalism and what that means for democracy and other things. I'm also concerned about the arts, which is, um, was always neglected, mm -hmm. <laughs> but now they, you can't even find out what's going on. There's no, I don't, it, it's hard. You have to go to everybody that's hosting something. You have to go to their website or their social media page to find out what they're doing and when, because there is no place that has this information really. Um, they do some great stories on WVIA, but there's there's almost no arts coverage. And, and I'm a person that believes we need the arts to bring the community together. Me that too. people. People need to have these shared experiences to be able to have the hard conversations. And if we're not coming together as a community and, and having this, then we are not going to trust each other and be isolated and, and all of these things that we know are really bad for a healthy society. Right. Well said, Kitty Bell. Yeah, so if we don't know about art events occurring because there's no source uh, that we could all go to to see what's going on in our community, then those those uh, operations, those venues might not be able to sustain themselves. It's hard enough for them to sustain themselves from the beginning when you're an arts institution. But now people don't even know you have anything out there to offer or right. it's hard for them to find out. So is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, well, yeah. And and we've always had that problem with young people saying, oh, there's nothing going on. And I'd be like, oh, my God, there's so much going on. You just don't know. Right. right. <laughs> and now I feel like everyone is those people saying there's nothing going on or, you know, maybe we're just in these small little smaller social clusters and we used to be still. It's there was there was another article this week. Uh, it was a, about how we have not really recovered from the pandemic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, even now in 2024, like everyone thinks, oh, we should be, I don't know. We're, I mean, we're never going to go backwards, but we're, we're just not coming out of it. You know? In what sense? Like socially? I think a lot of it was socially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and other things too. Yeah. I mean, just, the the number of students, for example, that talk about mental health issues compared to f- five years ago, my God, I wish I had statistics on that. It's it's so different, so much, so much, so many people have difficulties now that I don't know if they were always there. We just didn't talk about it. Well, and the pandemic exacerbated them and or so, yeah. brought them out that maybe they wouldn't have come out otherwise and how they're still, they're here to stay. We can't get them to go away. Um, yeah. Well, Kitty Bell, we have about, I don't know, two, three minutes. And I know you have a class coming up as well that you got to get to. So uh, how do you want to wrap all of this up with a nice bow, our conversation today, talking about relationships and being alone and journalism and community and the arts, all, all of the, Buddhism, so many good things. <laughs> Uh, I think, and this may be where I went last time, but um, it, it was that same. No, this was a different article. God, I read a lot. Did you, you know do. that? Yeah, that's what I love about you. <laughs> I One don't of the know things. how I do it. My sister, we were in the car and she held some, oh, it was a birthday card for my mom. And she held it up and I glanced at the left side and then I was reading the right side. She's like, you just looked at that out of the corner of your eye and you read it in a fraction of a second. I was like, yeah. And she was just, she couldn't, she saw me read it and she couldn't believe that it was like so fast. It's one of your superpowers. It's my only superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've got lots of kryptonite. Um, (laughs) You and me both sister. Yeah. So I was reading an article there, you know, all the, the, artificial intelligence conversations that we've been having have, have been really fascinating. And, and I keep seeing ones that I, I, I want to believe, right? This is my confirmation bias. I want to say, okay, yeah. So now that computers can do all of this stuff, we can work on being better humans, right? We can focus on humanity and, you know, these communication things that we're talking about and all that. Um, and one line that really popped out at me in this article, and I did not write that, write down the name of the author, unfortunately, but he said, do we believe in the potential of humans with as much conviction as we believe in the potential of AI? Mm. And I got a chill when I read mm. that. Yeah. Cause we're so, I mean, humanity is so down on itself and each other, and we don't have a lot of faith in other people. Right now, I, I don't. How disappointed have we been I, that we trust machines more than we trust other human beings? And I don't know. 
that idea, I think we need to get that back. Uh, this other person said in the past jobs were about muscles. Now they're about brains, but in the future they'll be about the heart and whether or not our jobs will be about that. I still think we need to practice all those different kinds of love. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hear you back to Valentine's day. Yeah. Cause it's hard, right? It's hard being a human being and getting along with other people, but it's so worth it. We can achieve so much if we can work together better. That's a great place to pause our conversation until next time. You know, that's very insightful, very wise. Your students are lucky that you're walking into their room in a few moments to share uh, what you have going on inside uh, that head of yours and in that heart of yours. And thank you for sharing all of that here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, Kitty Bell. I guess the next time we'll be talking, it'll be a little warmer. Good. You, you, you're always cheer. You're always cheerful in the spring. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. I'm down right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know me. Um, well, again, thanks so much, and I look forward to to talking with you again on the show and seeing you on campus. Take care. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye.
be awake. Twice we spoke in two days. The wires got crossed the first time, though it was a wonderful connection anyways. The second time was La La Land. Our minds and hearts were in total command. We inspired the band, and they, from down deep and far away, did their thing. Mamas and daddy-o's, I want to say, those kids can play. Rhythm a ning, and we lived to dance and sing and kiss with wet lips, another gift of an earnest and joyous foray. I go, I go, I go, I go. Mm. 
And there you have it, episode 562 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Kitty Bell Burbank and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Cassandra Wilson, Laura Marling, Ray LaMontagne, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself. <laughs>